0: Good morning, Grace Covenant Church. Thanks for joining us here and online. I have some great uh, news for us. Uh, on February seventh, in two weeks, we're going to go to two services here at Grace. Yay! And. We're doing that for a lot of different reasons, certainly to make room, but also expanding our ministry potential. That is the big reason it will make. Uh, we, what we've done is we've made all of the rooms on our campus uh, with that magic filter thingy that we have. And all, now they are safer than any restaurant you've ever attended or any other building, probably for that matter. And then um, we've also equipped all the rooms with audio video to be able to broadcast those ministries uh, on the Internet. So we can we can do that and then it'll make available. We're gonna have a series coming up on February 7th on Ecclesiastes and we want as many people as possible to be in groups for that and we'll have groups here on campus. Two services. It'll be awesome. Let me tell you what it's going to look like. Uh, what we'll have is we will have childcare only at the 915 service for people who are volunteering either at 915 or 11. So children uh, will be taken care of if you're volunteering at 915 or 11, childcare only, you need to register so that we can make sure we have enough adult supervision on that. At the 11 o'clock hour, we're gonna have the full campus available in all of its ministry. Grace Kids will be up and running from birth through fifth grade in our youth ministry junior high and senior high program will be meeting as well. Again, in the children's ministry, zero through fifth grade, it's very important to register so that we know how many people are coming and there might be an issue of space limitations for that. So, uh, and and by the way, uh, most of the adult communities will be meeting on campus the second hour as well. So here's how, here's what we need desperately, volunteers. I've spoken uh, with pastors uh, around the country and volunteers is the hardest thing uh, during our pandemic time. If you can help in any way, uh, work at either one of those services, either as a greeter or driving our shuttle car or uh, working in in our production, working in our children's ministry, Fabulous! Go to the website uh, grace360.org/slash/serve and let us know how you can help, so we can get the, we can get the church up and running as much as we possibly can. Let me pray for that, and then we'll get started. I've got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about what we're going to learn today. Okay, uh, and well, let me pray. Lord, we are uh, grateful for an opportunity to get back to some part of normalcy, but even then, uh, just all the ministry and its potential and how we can just serve each other and be encouraged to live lives, you know, that glorify you. Uh, So, Lord, I'd ask that you would bless our plans. Look, we're making plans again. Uh, Bless our plans to to bring the church back to two services. Could you lead people to want to serve? And... uh, cause us to be a healthy church in the context of our service and generosity and our love for one another. We'd ask that you bless grace. Bless her indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to end with communion today, so if you're, uh, if you're here and you didn't get one of those portable communion things, uh, take some time and go get those because we're going to end with a communal event. We're on our fourth part, we're we're doing a series called Grace Forward and we're at week four and the fundamental theme is for such a time as this, seize the year, Grace Covenant Church, seize the year. Grace Forward. Let me tell you, uh, I'll just summarize the kind of the, the, we're on our third point and the points build on each other. So let me, part one, part one was get in shape or stay in shape. You know, body, soul, spirit. Become like Christ in all of life. Either get there or stay there and guide others, help other people do that. That was part one, get in shape. Part two was get in a group, get in a group. Because life change happens in community with other people. Life goals are reached when you're on a team. Teams, groups, groups help you get in shape. They help you stay in shape. And groups, part three, groups have the power to impact and influence the culture around us. What we're gonna look at today is the power of purposeful groups in the context of the local church. Because the goal all along was to do this. It was to have a soul and a spirit so tender towards the Lord that you could hear his promptings, and then have the courage to execute on the way he's leading you. And now in groups that are strengthening you and encouraging you, and those groups are also having the power of influence and impact. The purpose of the church is to spread out in the community and have influence and impact. That's how the kingdom of God is spread, by us finding our way into other people's lives through God's sovereignty. Look, there's a great little anecdote about when um, Oliver uh, Cromwell was leading Great Britain and they were in uh, a financial situation where they, they ran out of currency. And so Cromwell told a team of people to go and search the entire kingdom for silver. He needed more money and, and so they went out, the teams went to the four corners of the world and they came back and they said, there is no emergency silver. We are entirely out of this. Well, well, except the cathedrals. At the cathedrals, there are statues of the saints that are made of the finest silver. And Cromwell said, melt the silver, melt down the saints and put them into circulation melt them down and put them into circulation. There we are. That's, <laughs> this is like, that's the purpose of the church. That is how the church has fulfilled its, its ambition, especially a church like ours where every believer is a minister and the ministry for, the, for most of us is out there in those neighborhoods where we're kind of starting to get reconnected or in new ways in our in our places of workplace. We need to be out in the circulation. We are that church and that's one of the reasons I'm thrilled about the circumstances that we're in and particularly this church is is because it's getting so bad it's getting good. It's getting so bad that it's getting good. There's been an increase in the volume of, of the nag of the human condition. There's, there's, there's an angst and there's an aching that is part of the way we're designed. And, and that aching is to, to, to know and to love our creator God. It is to, it is to have life with meaning and purpose. It is to be part of a community that's connected, having relational contact, to know and to be known and to love and, and to love other people. And, and that's part of our design. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. All these things, these are expressions of God's creativity. But the nature of man is this longing. It's, this, it's, this, it's God's calling us back to Eden, and the amplification of the angst that's taking place around the entire world is, is this fact. We're we are running out of dead-end streets to go down, to find what God has for us without having God there. I mean, we're, we're just, we're running out, and, and what's happening is people's coming to this reala- realization that it's not going to work the way they're planning it, and, and that's why anxiety levels are going up, and anger levels are going up. We want what only God can offer, but we don't want God. And people are getting worn out. It's like we're on an Easter egg hunt in a graveyard. And God says, there's only one place you're gonna find that egg and it's that empty tomb over there. Oh, I won't look there. Well, then keep looking. And people have been looking for a long time and they're growing tired of it. Whether they're ideologies on the left or on the right, doesn't matter, they're running out of room. The, the, the escalating depression and anxiety has, is at levels now that we haven't seen in, in, in our modern lifetime. And what's happened is this, people all around us, and maybe you too, if you're clung to ideologies that aren't biblical, people are done all around us, D-O-N-E, and they are so desperate they might consider a supreme being revealing himself in Jesus Christ to provide salvation and purpose, bringing about community, learning how to love and be loved. All those things are coming up. Who's the hero of the story? Well, it's, okay, yeah, we're in church, it's Jesus, but wait, (laughs) kind of, it's his bride. The hero of the story of the situation that we're in right now, it's the church. It's the bride of Jesus Christ. The primary means by which the kingdom is expressed in the world today is the church. And few times, maybe one other time in American history has the church been where it is right now. I mean, we, we're real Christians are a true minority, like, like few times in our, in our country's history. And then the other th- thing that's, that's taking place is, is what people used to tolerate with Christians now is becoming increasing hostility, increasing hostility towards Christians that are, are simply practicing their faith or just acknowledging the clear biblical ethics of right and wrong. Let me just give you two examples that have taken place like during this 10 month pandemic or whatever, whatever month run during COVID. Now, the first one I, would, I admit, they're just outliers and very vocal and they get press. But you remember when Samaritan's Purse moved a mobile hospital into the New York City area to help people live. <laughs> And there were some people that just said, we want no part of these people coming into our town because they believe in God or Jesus. Like, wow. That's not the one that really describes what's happening to the church right now. It's when Vice President Pence, who was assigned the job to find a vaccine as soon as possible. And so he gathered the people in the room together and they had extensive, extensive times of planning and delegation, these scientists and business leaders and anyone that could help and they had that meeting. And then Vice President Pence said, well, why don't we pray for the Lord's blessing on that? I mean, why not? Ask for a little supernatural help here. <laughs> Right, and, and just a, a few hundred, fifty, a few decades ago, Audius Huxley would have said, "Sure, who cares if God doesn't exist? Then we're just, you know, only take a few minutes." Not today, and it wasn't the outliers when he came, when Pence came up from that prayer. Leaders. Political leaders and media leaders openly scorned the idea of calling upon a supreme being to help mortals during a global plague, <laughs> openly mocked for just practicing our faith. How are we to live? And why am I so excited about this? Okay. I'm, I really am. It's getting so bad. It's getting good. They're running out of dead ends. And here's the other thing, the church, the church. Yeah, we're a minority that's persecuted and, 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 and mocked. That's the way the church is. It's not like the first time the church has been here. This is kind of the way we were designed. This is the context of its birth. And, and so, you know, it, it, let me just put it another way. The bride of Jesus Christ, she never looks better than when she's wearing army boots. She's going to be just fine. She's okay with this. And what's going to happen is we're going to start reading our Bibles because the Bibles, the Bible, those letters were not written to a church that is in a majority and is living life comfortably. And we're going to start reading the Bible for, for a church that's in a minority that's being squeezed out. And we're going to go... Verses are going to jump off the page and we're going to see them for what they are. Because, guys, we are in exile and we never left home. We are refugees in our own country. We are, as the Bible says, foreigners. We are citizens of heaven and it's starting to feel that way. And, friends, this is what we're made for. So in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, they both speak about how do we live? How do we live in this sort of thing? Here's how. We just listen to Jesus' prayer. He prayed for you, he prayed for me in times like these. Listen how he tells us how to live in this prayer. John 17, Holy Father, protect them. Wow, they're, yeah, they're in danger. Protect them by the power of your name. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one while they're in the world. They They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Look what he says, for you and me. He's saying, stay on mission. And specifically, he's saying, he says specifically, Father, don't take them out of the world. Keep them safe while they're in the world doing their, their what they're called to do. There's three ways to live in times like this. Two of them are wrong. One of them is right, and it's the only one that works. The two that are wrong are uh, I- imitation of the world and isolation of the world. Imitation and isolation. Imitation of the world is when you just kind of you're assimilated into the culture like the Borg, right? Resistance is futile. So you just kind of go along to get along and try to stay safe. And James says, there's no friendship between the believer and the world. You have to choose. Look, it says James 4.4. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, if anyone chooses to be friends of the world, he becomes an enemy with God. And friends, I understand a lot what's motivated to be friends with the world or just to, to imitate the world, to assimilate into it. A lot of times it's just insecurity. I, I just want to be, I just want to belong. I just want to get, a, you know, just be part of something. I don't like being mocked and made fun of. Shame doesn't look good on me. I'll just give a little of my values little by little. But here's the thing. You know, the idea of not fitting in here, we're not supposed to fit in. We're supposed to be homesick. And the other thing about imitating or being assimilated into the culture is we're supposed to be distinct from the culture. The culture, the people, our friends and family around us are supposed to say, you have something that I don't have. Have you you found the voice of God? And, and, and do, you, do you have purpose and meaning? Do you have community? Because that's what my soul's been longing for. I'm on this hunt in a graveyard, and I haven't found it. That distinctive, we need to hold that, not by imitating. And isolating is when you just separate from the world. That's, you know, I'm out of here, me and my family, we're going to hunker down, come Lord Jesus, you know. It's getting harder to do that. Don't imitate, don't isolate. Jesus is praying this, that we would infiltrate, infiltrate the world in community. It's an idea that we understand the sovereignty of God has brought us here at this time for such a time as this, for such a time as this, for big things, not to run and hide, not to be afraid, but to, 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 If you imitate the culture, if you isolate yourself from the culture, you lose your purpose. And what he's saying here is infiltrate the culture in community to have influence and impact. That's the goal. That's what he prayed for. In the Old Testament, same thing. It's a story that you might know. Hundreds of years are are filled with warnings from the prophets. Uh, They're talking to Israel and Judah, the nation of God, and they've been saying, you have got to stop with your idolatry and your injustice. You have got to come under God's tutelage. We are in his protective care. And eventually, after hundreds of years of going deaf to God's warnings, he just says, you want your freedom outside of the, the fence of protection, you can have that. The gates open, it always is, you can leave. And so they leave the protective custody of Yahweh, God Almighty, and it doesn't take long before Babylon sees they have an easy prey. They invade uh, Judah, they tear down Jerusalem. Tens of thousands of people are killed and the some that remain are taken by the Babylonians What about 700 miles east to Babylon. Those are called in exile. They're Jews in exile in Babylon. And when those Jews showed up in Babylon, it was, Toto, we are not in Kansas anymore. There was a lot to be afraid of with the culture and religion and the ethics, the language itself. And Jeremiah writes these exiles and he says, now listen, listen for, don't imitate the culture. Don't isolate from the culture. It's right, it's infiltrate the culture in community. Infiltrate the culture in community. Look what he says. Here's his letter from Jerusalem to the Babylonian Jews. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those who carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build your houses and settle down. Plant your gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters into marriage so that they too can have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Don't decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city, which I, God, sovereignly have carried off into exile. Pray to Yahweh for the city, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. The only warning against. He says, yes. And this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they encourage, they encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Do not Im- imitate the culture. Don't be assimilated into it. I know it's easy, you just, you just float. You just go downstream on this thing. And, and in our culture, spiritually speaking, it's just, you get to be a, what, a cafeteria Christian where you just go through and you just pick the things that you want, little bit of Jesus, you know, the, the words that you like, the, the love of Jesus. Not his ethics, just the love. And then in the church, you do that too. And you, if the mood is right, if the church is interesting, if it validates what I already believe, then you can have a little bit of this, and a little bit of that. You're one semester deep in college and it, all it takes is a couple people in the dorm and they shame you for what the Bible clearly teaches is right and wrong. And without a backbone, you fall. We're three months into we're in the workplace and People sit down with you and say, you're gonna join this cause or else. And that cafeteria Christianity, it doesn't work because it's not real. Imitating the spiritual world right now, spirituality, no, don't do that. Don't isolate, don't find yourself in these little cul-de-sacs of Christianity where no one knows anyone outside of your little bubble. That doesn't, that's not the way it goes. He wants you to infiltrate. Another word that I think is graphic for this is is, um, insulate. Because the idea is to insulate, what happens when it's really cold outside? Remember two weeks ago that one day? You get on jackets, you put on layers of coat, you have your community put your coat on and so you can go out in the cold and not be influenced by that cold. You insulate to infiltrate. That's what he's talking about for impact for influence, he's saying, look, make a, make a great city out of the city that you're in exile. God brought you here. God brought you here to Austin for this time. Make it safe. Make it prosperous. Do whatever you need to do to help those that are in need you know, and, and participate in, in the whole experience of being here now. I know you're homesick. Make the bust of your journey. Look closely at the passage itself. There's like, I don't know, six or seven commands, not suggestions. There are six or seven commands in here. The first one is build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat its produce, bloom where you're planted. You know what he's saying? Settle in for the long haul. Many of you are gonna die in Babylon. Plant a tree. Many of you, you know, don't be afraid of the culture. Get involved in that. It says, seek peace and prosperity for the city. That's another command, seek peace for it. When you, when you work, work seriously. Your work matters to God and it's an expression of worship. Do that. Go, to, go about your city like it would be Jerusalem and, and you you'd try to make it into a garden of Eden of old. That's what we're made to do is to take chaos and, and make it into something beautiful. Do that for your city. <laughs> You know, when I, you know how many years Austin won the most beautiful city in, the, in America? How many times? It was like 10, or, 10 years in a row or something in the 80s when I was here. I don't think it's up for that. I know, not, it's been some time. We need to be part of being good citizens to help clean up that part of the city, pay our taxes. Oh, that hurts. Uh, pay our taxes. Vote, be involved in justice. That's what he's saying here. The most radical thing that he says in this passage that you won't find in other places is he says, pray for the city, pray to Yahweh for it to prosper because if it prospers, you will prosper too. Here's what Jeremiah just said, pray for Babylon. Can you imagine what that audience heard when, they'd say, when he heard when they read that? Pray for Babylon. They killed my family. Yeah, that's good. Pray for Babylon. And then the, then the only command of what not to do is do not let the prophets among you deceive you. And that's a word for us in exile. It's, <laughs> you can make bank right now being a false prophet, teaching Christianity that's not Christianity. It's easy because people are taking advantage of our fears and our anxieties. The fact that we're off balance and they're going to tell us what we want to hear. And he says, they're not from me. So here, let me tell you how we're going to apply this, these words from Jesus and Jeremiah and how to live in a times like this. Here's what we're going to do. Our 2021 preaching calendar, teaching calendar up here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the various orthodox beliefs, the, the foundational beliefs, the convictions of a church. Grace Covenant Church, but the church. We'll be just working through that throughout the year. We're going to spend some time in First and Second Peter. First and Second Peter were two epistles written for a church in persecution. Like it, the theme is how to take a punch and still smile, maybe with a cracked tooth. That's the theme of First and Second Peter. Let's do that. The bigger bigger value here is to see that the sovereignty of God, God has power and he has a plan and he's watching and he has put us here in exile for such a time as this. So we, we are to pray and we're fast and to worship and wait a minute, I've got a better outline, okay? It's called Grace Forward, get in shape, body, soul and spirit, become like Christ in all of life. Get in a group a purposeful group to get in shape and stay in shape because then you can see the power of a group for influence and involvement as we infiltrate our culture for impact, for influence. Right now, listen, right now, it's very easy to understand that we could be afraid, that that we feel vulnerable. We don't feel like we have a lot of faith Let me tell you what fear does. The first thing fear does is it kills love. You can't be afraid and love. Not the way the Bible says about love. And we're missing an opportunity to love because we're too busy being afraid. It doesn't. And it goes back to this, the way we're designed, the bride wears boots, army boots. She thrives in this context and that's just the church. If we turned outside the church and looked around us and you looked at all the ministry that's out there, people written on their foreheads, I am D-O-N-E, done. Where do I find God? How do I find purpose? Is there a community that will accept me the way I am? There's the church. It's only gonna take a few of us. It's only gonna take a few, but those few, you can't care about things that won't be here in a thousand years from now. You just can't can't hold on to that. I got a word from an old boss, pastor I used to work for. His name is E. V. Hill, and every Sunday he rocked the world. Here's one of the messages that he has for you and for me.
1: Ted Behuba was head of the FBI. He invited a number of leaders, some 200 or more, to New York to discuss the plight of our country as it related to subversive activities. They began to discuss the Black Panther Party and its impact upon New York City. that the Panthers have New York. The Panthers of New York. The Panthers had shut up all stores after five o'clock in Harlem, New York. The Panthers made millions of people cross the bridges hurrying out of New York. The Panthers had fear grip New York City. Millions of people, nearly four millions of people fled because the Panthers on the march. So I asked Mr. Sullivan a question. I said, Mr. Sullivan, how many Panthers are active in New York? How many of them are causing stores to be locked up? How many of them are causing churches not to have worship at night? How many of them are closing down? Central Park at night, Lover's Lane. How many of them have gripped the town with fear? What is the active membership of the Black Panther Party of New York? Mr. Sullivan said, 81. (laughs) 81, running four million people across the bridges. 81 closing down churches and businesses. 81, causing fear to grip and shutting down the places of social activity. Just 81. My friend, there needs to be a condemnation of the Black Panthers' activity, but there needs to be a compliment of their effectiveness. Because as I look out over here, there's 81 everywhere I look. And we are not closing down nothing. We are not closing down institutions of ill repute, abortion centers and what have you. We are not closing them down. And there are more than 81 of us here but those 81 were dedicated to the point of their own lives. They cared not for their lives. And they were effective in closing down New York.
0: Whoo. That's preaching right there. I don't know what I'm doing, but that's preaching. How does that, what does that look like for grace? We get in shape. We owe it to the team. We join a team. We get in a group, a group with purpose. And and we're using the power of that group, not to just huddle, but for impact and influence. We're insulating each other and ourselves so that we can go out in there and do stuff to have impact and influence. How does that look for us? It looks like incrementally, we're just doing things around here. Strategically, it's something else. We are becoming an online church with community. An online church for this season, an online church with community. And here's why this is so important. You have to see the strategy in this. We've always been a regional church where by three highways people drive in from all over to come to us. And that brings about, we have two problems with being a regional church. One of them is the distance and the second is just kind of the threat level to bring a friend here just to walk in the doors. It's kind of weird. Okay. But if you're an online church with community, then with all of our ministries available, mind you, with all of our ministries available, look how it solves some some difficult problems for us. First of all, the distance issue. What's happened during our COVID time, since we've gone online and we changed everything around to do that, we've been able to like reconnect with some families that drove a long way away. And some other families are connecting with friends and family members outside of the state of Texas. That in other words, people are starting to watch the service together and then have community later to talk about it. The community is key because that's where you apply the sermon. And so people that move too far away and they just wanted to find a church like in Georgetown or Elgin or something like that. They've realized, well, I can just come back to grace. Now it's never been easier. Some people, they're part of the, uh, the, the country where, you know, north of here where the Bible isn't taught much like Oklahoma, for example. Just kidding. <laughs> but no, no, it's a true story. We're seeing parents, adult, adults here and their parents are in other parts of the country and now they're going to church together online, but in community so that, so for the purpose of application of the Bible, there you go. And so here's, here's what I want you to consider, especially those of you that are living outside, you know, the hub right here where we are, right? Like if you're living in Georgetown or Liberty Hill or Hutto or Elgin, you're planting a church. In this season, look at your house and that television as a church plant where you guys maybe could pod watch, a watch party together in or out of a living room and then come together in the week to take advantage of maybe discussion questions and apply that sermon. In shape, in community, with purpose. It it, it brings us closer together, oddly enough. As we're far apart. The second thing is the threat, the threat of coming, I'm talking about ministry for your friends and family members. It's, <laughs> I mean who are we kidding, it's kind of weird to come to church. You, you, you've gotten to the point where God is working on you and, and you have done your part as a minister to say would you like to come to church. It's still, it's, it's still uncomfortable for a lot of people, especially if they weren't raised in a church culture. It's never been easier to invite. All you have to do is say, why don't you do a watch party? Or don't you just watch it this weekend? Tell me what you think. And then maybe, watch this, step one, just watch the church. Step two, why don't you watch the church and join a community? I could meet with you. and Maybe we get two other gals to do that as well. And we can maybe, I don't know, try to apply that week to our lives. You could start your own little small groups. And there's so much ministry right outside your door, right outside your maybe afraid little world, there's people that are done and they are looking for someone to invite them to something. It's super non-threatening and that's not all, by the way. It's not just a worship service that is available. It's like, it's, it's all of our communities. And so when people are in places of transition or panic, like they have teenagers now, they can watch the parenting teen class without the threat of going there or being seen or you know, being followed up on and all that you know, weird things, right? But, but also like, I want you to know this is for your ministry. This is for your ministry, celebrate recovery. They can, you can go online. Uh, which is a 12 step kind of program, except we named the Jesus in it. Uh, uh, Re-engage our marriage ministry. Those two ministries right now because of the pandemic, addictions have gone up, divorces have gone up. Hey, I have a ministry for you, neighbor, coworker. Here's the thing, and it's never been easier. You can just like show up, wear a mask even, you know, not even, not even be seen but community is the key. It's getting people connected. It's helping each other become like Christ in all of life. It is the power of impact. That's why we're gonna be going through the stuff we're going through this year, the, thing, the topics that we'll be studying, but also why we're gonna start February 7th with a series on Ecclesiastes. What better these, where people are hearing the longing for God, They don't have purpose and meaning. There's no sense of community of being loved and love other people. Why not study what's wrong with the world and how having an Easter egg hunt in a graveyard is a silly way to live. We'll spend seven weeks on that starting February 7th. Why don't you start a group? Why don't you start a group? We'll have a group meeting here on campus, a small group after the discussion. Seven weeks, each week we'll just have a discussion. We'll have discussion questions written up. We have a little booklet that we'll be able to provide. See how strategically this is rolling out? We're just being the church, what she was meant to be. So come on, Grace. Be everything God has called us to be for such a time as this. Seize the year. This is the only 2021 that'll ever be. Let's make the very most of it. We have so much to offer. Eugene Peterson wrote a book about Jeremiah. Uh, It's called uh, Run with the Horses. And talk about seize the moment. Here's a great little quote from it. He says, the only place you have to be human, well, is here right now. The only opportunity you will ever have to live by faith in the circumstances you're in is right here, this very day, in the house that you live in, this family you find yourself in, the job that you've been given, the weather conditions that you're experiencing. This is that time to show yourself to be a child of God. These are great times. This is a good time to thrive because. The church is where she does best and the culture, it's D-O-N-E, done. Let's open our eyes, see what's out there. Every believer is a minister, let's do ministry. Let me pray, I'm just gonna pray Jesus's prayer for me and for you, enjoy. Jesus said, I'm coming to you, Father, and, I, and I've told Grace many things while I was with them in the world and, and, they, would be, and they were filled with joy. I've given them the, your word. The world hates them because they don't belong to this world just as I don't belong to this world. And so now, Father, I'm asking you not to take them out of this world, but to keep them safe while in the world. They don't belong to this world any more than I belong to this world. So Lord, Father God, make them holy with your truth. Teach them the word. That's where the truth is. And just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. I gave myself as a holy sacrifice so that they might be holy in your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought what better application could there be than for us as a family, as a community, together, separate. The people here in the auditorium that are joining us live, the people that are in their living rooms right now, we can do this together and separate. It's not the way it was meant to be, it's the way it is. And we're going to seize that moment. Let me start with a little parable, a modern parable. There was a a little uh, seacoast peninsula that was especially dangerous and ships would regularly wreck right off of, of that beach and so there was a life station that was put there and it was just a simple thing, don't misunderstand, it was just a hut and it was a single boat. But men, women who cared not for their lives would go out and save those that were wrecked and it didn't take long before people would realize, you know, hey, I want to be part of something like this and so they gave money and and effort to that little life station and they got new boats And, and they got a couple more workers that could help, new crews and then after a while people realized, you know, it's not a very comfortable place to come you know once you've been shipwrecked there weren't enough resources and facilities available for people when they came in and so you know what they said let's just add on to that little hut and so they did they put in some showers and 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 had a lobby and they decorated it very nicely and they put up that first little rescue boat up over the fireplace mantle and they continued to invest in that live station then they realized you know the shipwrecks only happened when it was inclement weather and so they just started hiring crews to go out and to help people and the, the fireplace was, well, it was attended well and memberships were taken up and you could become a member of this life station. And then one day there was a huge shipwreck just off and they sent all the boats and all the crews and they came back filled and it was the the little the life station now was overrun with sick people and dirty people and dying people and some were even dead all over the lobby and all over the facilities and when they had a meeting after that there was an assessment of what that costs. And it was decided that you know why don't we just call this section the clubhouse the country club And people say, well, what about rescuing lives? Where's the life station? We'll just put that a little bit further down the beach. And that's what happened. The life station became a country club and a new life station was formed and people went out to save lives. But history keeps repeating itself and each one of those life stations became a bigger and better country club. And now all along the beach, is just a series of country clubs. But the ships still wreck, and now the people just drown. It's a metaphor for the church in so many different ways. The thing that we should fear is comfort. And sometimes the best thing for us is persecution and discomfort and a need to fight. And so I want to do communion with that as the context. I'm I'm just I'm just asking. Is there are there people out there that care not for their own lives? We just need 81. We just need 81. get out of the country club, get back in that life station, what we were designed to do. We stay in shape as a team. We work as a community for purpose, act, influence. That's what we're here for. So maybe we end the grace forward with a commitment to being who we were meant to be, a commitment to thrive. So on the night Jesus was betrayed he took the communion meal the Passover meal and he took the bread at that moment and he broke it and he said this is my body it will be broken for you so family of grace if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to take this together before you before we put this bread in our mouth let's pause for just a moment and Do you want to be in a country club or do you want to be in a life station? We're going to take this as lifeguards together. Let's take the bread together. And on that same night, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, my blood, all the promises fulfilled. Take this cup and do this in memory of me. Let's drink it together. When he entered the communion meal, he said do this whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me until I come again. Settle in for the long haul, but I'm coming back. Plant, harvest, pray for your city, I'll be back, but you look best in boots, enjoy that moment. Let's close this time in prayer. We're going to sing a really fun song. I'll be back to close. Let's pray. And then the Lord God, Yahweh said, and then when 70 years was complete, when my sovereign providential will is fulfilled, I will come to you and fulfill my good promises and bring you back. I have great plans for you, church, declares Yahweh. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then I will call on me, and then you will call on me and I and come and you'll pray and 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 I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Lord, we we see this. Exile without ever leaving home, this sense of refugee and we still have our passports, we see this as a sovereign act, this feeling of being a captive. And we realize now that we will not be afraid because it's keeping us from loving the people that you've brought into our lives. Lord, I'd ask that you cause us to rise above our inadequacies and our fears, our anxieties, that we would rise above that. We would initiate friendships, relationships. We would, we would turn communities to what they were meant to be so that we would please you in all that you say and do. That you'd speak to us in that still, quiet, calm voice and we'd have the ears to hear that. Lord, I'd ask that we'd have the courage to do what you say. We pray this as a church.